What a great morning. We celebrate the precious blood of the Lord Jesus and his forgiveness of our sins and connects us upward with our Heavenly Father uh, and makes us sons and daughters. And we celebrate the future sons and daughters of the King as these boxes go out with both tangible gifts and the gospel. And then this morning, uh, we just keep celebrating. And celebrating is actually a spiritual discipline of the Christian life. And we celebrate children, adoption, foster care, and family preservation, where we give financially and resources to keep families together across the world. And so welcome this morning to the 18th uh, uh, Mercy Found Sunday at Fellowship Bible Church. It's a little different Sunday. I think you'll get it and you'll enjoy it. Um, in these 18 years that we've been having Mercy Found Sunday, we have literally touched thousands of children around the world through Operation Christmas Child, certainly adopting kids virtually so they can stay together with their families, mission trips to orphanages, foster fostering children in our homes, and just with this little church, right at 40 children have been brought home over the last 18 years, adopted full-time in their family. <laughs> I, I certainly <laughs> am all in my feelings this morning, which is not surprising to those of you who've been around a while, but it all started back when Jen and I adopted our African-American daughter at six days old, and she's now 21 years old and beautiful. But it was difficult because we had to start from scratch. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know who to trust. We didn't know how to get the money. It, the red tape was painful. And we know, too, that our world is not very friendly to adoptions because it costs 100 times more to adopt than it does to have an abortion. And let me pause there because I'm under no delusional uh, state of mind to think that with an audience this big, there are not women in here who've had an abortion. And I want to say to you as passionately as I've ever said anything from this pulpit, if you're in Christ, there's no condemnation for those of you in Christ. If you're in Christ, <laughs> Paul tells us in Romans, you cannot out the grace of God in Christ. And that's a great reminder. And I want to encourage you to wallow in that today. Because it, without that grace, you would not have a changed heart to look at this differently. But in our journey, we had 100 questions and no one to ask. We were like a blind squirrel trying to find a lonely acorn, or if you're really a hillbilly acorn. So when we came here to Fellowship Bible Church 20 years ago, one of the things I approached the elders about was to start a ministry that would help remove those barriers to help inform people and resource people so they would know what to do and where to go and how to get there. And it's also no secret that we live in a world and country that is or has a godless worldview, and it does so because it is godless. It is anti-life, and we as God's people are always called to swim upstream. No passivity against godless worldview and evil. Do we want to fight 
certainly on our knees. We want to fight with our words. We want to fight with our actions. And we want to do so in a way that changes policy, that changes hearts and minds, but also in a way that honors the God that we represent. I do want you to think with me for a minute with these statistics that are mind-boggling and heartbreaking. 2,363 pre-born children are killed every single day in America, by far the leading cause of death in the U.S. 1% of children are killed from an abortion that are conceived in rape, which is an argument from that side that does not stand the test. 97% of all abortions are out of convenience and comfort, convenience and comfort versus some medical condition that would harm the mother's life. Late-term abortion is not rare. In New York City alone in 2017, 1,247 children were killed at 21 weeks. Planned Parenthood receives a half a billion dollars per year for their godless practice. Seven states have made laws that a baby can be aborted up until birth. Nineteen states have made laws that you can actually kill a baby up to 24 weeks, and that baby can easily live with medical advances nowadays. So I want to be clear. For those of you who are members at Fellowship Bible Church, or if you're new, considering to be a member here, we are 1,000% against abortion, period. Yeah. And, and here's why, not because we're wise, not because we get it, but because where would we be without God's word declaring that every human is created in the image of God regardless of the color of their skin? But the body of Christ has often been, and true, often been known for what it is against versus what it is for. So we want to be against, but we also want to be known for what we are for. So it is our heart to have the heart of God concerning his precious children, what the scriptures call the least of these. So what we desire to do here, and I think what we're doing, is to build a culture of life, a culture of sacrifice, a culture of dying to self and comfort a culture of embracing the right thing and the hard thing at the very same time. A culture of giving our time and our talent and our truth and our treasure. I will never be embarrassed for asking you to give those four things away to the children. A culture for the kingdom of God. If you ever doubted how Jesus felt about children... Listen to his words, Matthew 19. Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Supporting life is something close to our God's heart. Matter of fact, if you search the Bible, maybe do it today when you get home, from Genesis to Revelation, you'll find three very specific people that are talked about Again and again and again. 
the orphan, the widow, and the stranger. So what do we do at fellowship? Our view, our leadership view, our church view here at fellowship concerning that is this. We will do for some what we wish we could do for all. Sometimes the argument is made, God, there's so many needs, so many children, it's overwhelming, so we do nothing. No, we always do for some what we wish we could do for all. And speaking of all, there's a lot. 500,000 children are in foster care system in the U.S. at this moment. 129,000 of them are waiting to be adopted. Stats tell us that 33% of Americans have considered adopting children in some form or fashion or foster care, but only 2% have actually taken that step to investigate. And the number one reason, statistically speaking, that they give is they don't know where to go, what to do, who to trust, and how to get the money. For you at Fellowship, we have removed all those barriers. And what that means is, some of you said last year, I'm not going to that Mercy Found Sunday, but you forgot and you made it anyway. <laughs> and next year, you're going to come back with a kid. <laughs> Congratulations ahead of time. I know that to be true because I've had couples tell us that. So I believe we as Christ followers will move horizontally towards the orphan to the degree we fully comprehend fully comprehend how God has moved vertically toward us with his grace because vertical adoption is what models and motivates us to participate in going and giving and serving in horizontal adoption. You get that? Vertical sears upon our heart. We're made children of God, adopted by God in Christ. And when we get that, we go horizontal. Here's how John Piper put it. <clears throat> he said, when the culture of orphan care is flourishing at a church, and I'll say it is flourishing here, it means that their people are looking to their heavenly father for their joy and embracing the stress and cost of children. Somebody say amen. amen. Stress and cost of children. We embrace all of it instead of trying to maximize their freedom and comforts. While embracing both the pain and joy of children makes the worth of Christ shine more brightly. This life that we live as Christ followers is not about ourselves. And it's a beautiful opportunity for us to continue to create that culture, culture of what Piper calls orphan care. Now, I, even though I'm an adoption evangelist, I want you to know that I know that Adopting or fostering children is not for everyone. There's some of you out there at 79 years old and going, Jeff thinks I need to take a baby home. Like, no, I'm 60. I can't do that either. I, I wish we would have adopted too. Uh, so I feel some sadness about that. But I do want you to know very boldly and bluntly, there is not one person here who cannot participate to help 
these little ones in some way, form, or fashion. And because of that, in the lobby, we have four tables set up with four different organizations. Lisa Steele with Family Life Ministries. You hear about international orphanages. Portico, our local crisis pregnancy center, manned by Tammy, who does a, does a uh, if you're really excited, instead of fantastic, fantastic, V-A-N, that means you're really excited. But, but Tammy will be able to tell you about their new ultrasound bus that they use all through the community. It was broken down. They couldn't get it here this morning, but it still needs paid for. So some of you get to give to that. Uh, Brent Morgan is with us with Bridge Family Ministry, all about foster care. And then Mercy found our own Emily Henry will be uh, uh, at that table today to help answer some questions there. So it's going to be a great morning. There'll be some tears popping your eyes, a lot of onions being peeled around here this morning. So buckle up and welcome, if you would, two of the three ladies that lead our Mercy Found Ministry, Lisa Steele and Emily Henry. Give them a hand, please. Well, good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Um, Jeff, I love you talking about Mercy Found and, and us it starting 18 years ago and how it really started in your heart when you brought Joelle home. Um, as an adoptive mom, I, I, I know that, I get that, and, and our heart is for adoption. In the If you were with us all those years ago, you know that we called it Adoption Sunday for several years. It took us a, a minute to kind of even stop calling it that. We, we just was in our mind. But at the root of it was our heart as a, a brother and a sister in Christ to understand what God has done for us and to say... Our passion is that every vulnerable and orphaned child would know the nurture and the protection, the provision of parents who love them, home and belonging, um, because it's what God did for us. And so we understand that. Um, and as God does and changes us and grows us, he has grown our understanding of how best to do that, how best to care for that 150 million. Jeff was saying what we wish we could do for 150 million, we do for, for a few, those that we, can, that we can affect. And 15 million of those are double orphans. Those are, they have no living, living relative uh, that's willing or able to care for them. Um, and then, Lisa, you know this, but even in that huge number, there are two to eight million, and they don't really know because they can't count, um, but these are children who live on the streets or are living in institutions, and that number isn't even included in that big, huge number. And so the, what God has done is grown our understanding to say there are a lot of ways that everyone can step into this. It's my heart for these children, and it's our heart for these children. And that is adoption, foster care, and family preservation. Now, I, I've seen it locally, and but you have had the, the experience to, to see that on a global stage and locally. Um, what does that look like? So I work with Family Life Missions in Honduras, and we have several programs, but our main program right now that has just emerged is 
family preservation. That is what we do over everything. And we are 30 years old and we started as an orphanage, moved to residential homes. We have less children living on our campus because we've been able to reintegrate them into their families, but we've been able to expand our family preservation program. It's huge because we realize that some children were being abandoned because the families just didn't know what to do. They didn't have tools, they didn't have resources, they didn't know how to be a parent, they didn't know how to feed their children, they didn't know how to have medical care for them. So what we do is we come up alongside them and we give them a hand up, not a hand out, but a hand up, and we help them. We find out, do they need a cement floor in their house to prevent disease? What is it that they need? Do they need to come to parenting classes? But we supply all of these things to help them, and I'm very excited. Fellowship has joined us for several years now to participate in missions trips there in the summer, and this year they're coming again. Several of y'all, I'm sure, will be there May 31 through June 7th, and I'd love to talk to you if you're interested, but we're going to be doing not only helping renovate some homes, but we're also going to be teaching some Bible classes to children in the community, and we're going to be doing some health fair things, because last summer we realized when Fellowship was there, we had some toothbrushes to give out, and some kids had never had one before, and they didn't know what to do with them. So we taught them how to brush their teeth for the first time ever. Things like that that are very simple but can make a big impact in their lives. But that's globally. And if you'll see on your page you have here, everybody got this handout. This has a lot of resources that you can look at. And this says from globally to nationally to, to right here in Murfreesboro to Fellowship Bible. We even have things that are um, the NEDC, which is National Embryo Adoption, very dear to our family because that's how we have our fourth grandson. Many of you prayed for him for us. That's another great resource for adoption that's, that's different but brings home another child. So there's so many ways that you can grow families and we can walk beside them and help them. And here at Fellowship, we have the first Thursday of every month where we have our Mercy Found Support Group, which is composed of people who have adopted and fostered for a long time, for a short time, or are considering it. So they can come together and receive the support that they need. So we have lots of different things. In a minute, you're going to hear a panel where people are going to really talk about some ways that this has touched their lives and the ways that things we've done here at Fellowship to reach out to the community and to everybody here in our body to help them. Thank you, Lisa. And also, if you, you will look, you should have gotten this little card on your chair. This is Quincy Doko. You, you, I hope that you got one last year if you were here, and I hope that this little face has been looking back at you for uh, the past year, and I hope that you have been in prayer for him. And if not, take a card today, put it on your refrigerator. Um, Quincy, the good news is, and we will pray for them at the end, but the good news is, is that China has opened up adoptions, and groups are traveling. And so um, it is our hope that next year, Quincy will be celebrating with us right here. So please take this card. Yes, yes. <laughs> so take a Quincy card, and Lord, may it be our last. Thanks, girls. Thank you. Thank you. Give those girls a hand. Thank you. I am, uh, <clears throat> while we transition here, come on, my, uh, my favorite fabulous five here. Let's line these chairs up. I'm really thankful for the leadership of Megan Snow and uh, Emily Henry and Lisa Steele for Mercy Found Ministry. And uh, 
uh, grateful for that and all the work you girls are doing. So appreciate that. All right, come on up here, gang. Uh, Fabulous Five, go ahead and give them a big hand, no doubt. Uh, let me quickly introduce our panel today. We got Carrie Henry with, uh, she'll be talking about adoption, Elizabeth Humphrey, foster care, Kelly Miller, prayer, and what's going on there. Chad Vinson, our community group pastor. Chad, you're in good company, man. Company. Yeah, you're he's sur sur surrounded, surrounded by the women folk there in your Carolina blue, and uh, about how community groups really do play a crucial role in that. And then lastly, Jackie Isaacs, who will talk about how the Mercy Found Support Group was such a big help. So let's, without further ado, let's start here. Carrie, you brought home in 2005, little Gracie, who's 20 now. She's 19. 19. Yes. She's about to be 20. Yeah. Soon. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. But she was a year, she was a year and a half old from China, right? That's right. That's right. So tell us. It's like the core of what what mm. adopting a child has done and how's it enriched uh, your and Travis's yeah. family. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. The steadfast, it was a glimpse of the depth of the steadfast, abounding love of the Lord, and it has been throughout. We always thought, Travis and I, thought that adoption would be part of how our family would grow, and it wasn't until 18 years into marriage, um, God's perfect plans, Part of that love that he has for us is teaching us to trust him and wait and, uh, and, and, and follow where he leads. And so when he opened the doors and it was time, it was obvious, we were surrounded, we were loved, and we were provided for. And so we saw the Lord moving. And we took then 10-year-old Leah and 5-year-old Ruthie with Travis and I, and we went to Southern California to bring home our little one-and-a-half-year-old Gracie. And the morning of July 4th, 2005, we walked into some other family's home, and there sat Gracie playing with a Fisher-Price farm. And all I wanted to do was run across the room, pick her up, and take her home, and hold her and remind her over and over again, you were always ours, always ours. And yet, we moved slowly, and we got down in the floor, and I just remember crawling across the floor to Grace, slowly looking under her little eyes. I didn't want to overwhelm her. If you know the Henrys, we tend to be a little bit big and a little bit a lot when it comes to hugging and touching. Mercy, I didn't want to do that at the beginning. But she handed me, with her little eyes on me, she handed me a Fisher-Price cow. And so our first bond was... I got to touch her little fingers across a Fisher-Price cow. And uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman has a song that says, When Love Takes You In, it says you belong here. And it says that the loneliness ends and a new life begins. And that's what happened that day with a Fisher-Price cow in the middle. <laughs> okay, Gracie, will you please stand up, darling, and wave? You won't? One time. Yay! So... Since I remember knowing you, I've said good morning a thousand times. Good morning, Gracie, Lacey, Wacey, Tacey, right? And she just still grins at me. So we still, we tight. Thank you so much. We're glad you're here. Karen is beautiful. Okay, transition here. Elizabeth Humphreys. Lord, have mercy. They, you just, when I say your name, I feel tired. <laughs> They well, hopefully I don't look like a mom of eight no, right now. No, no, you look. <laughs> I wear that tag sometimes. Pretty as like, a peach. Oh, no, no, pretty as a peach. But 
They've foster cared 25 children over the last 23 years. Yeah. And, and they just decided to keep nine of them permanently by adopting them. How about that? Does that not make you tired? Yeah. So I love that. I want to ask you a similar question. What has enriched your life through foster care and adoption? And like I said this morning, that is a big question. I could, I need more than two or five minutes, but what the Lord had laid upon my heart, I didn't know if they were going to show the pictures of the, yeah, they the are. kids. Yep, okay. Yep. Um, but what God wanted to share was Second um, Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ compels us that we no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for us. Mm -hmm. And he just started compelling our hearts. We've always uh, fostered since we've been married. Um, but he's just started compelling my heart. The same love that compelled God to send his only begotten son and the same compelling love that compelled Christ to die upon the cross for us was the same love that was compelling my heart. As God comes into our brokenness, he sees us where we are. And I started to see kids where they were. And God just started compelling my heart. Uh, we didn't sign up for adoption. Uh, we just said, here we are, Lord. Um, and we just started being compelled more and more by his love. And we have, oh, here they are. There's our first adopted, Dustin. And... Uh, and they're, they're, uh, they're my children are over there, and my two nieces are right there here today. And um, I just have seen the glory of the Lord. Um, the, the most way that I've been enriched is that I see God's compelling and redeeming love in ways that I've never even known before. And when I look at my kids that he has blessed us with, when they're praising the Lord and worshiping spirit and truth, and to know that he's rescued them, mm. He says, reminds me, and he says, look at my glory. And that's what I see every day. I see his glory. That's how he's enriched our lives. It is beautiful. Thank you, Elizabeth. The, uh, I've been to your house. I've seen the, what we'll call beautiful chaos, right? Yep. And, uh, it's we're hard but glorious. It's yep. glorious but hard. Yep. We, uh, we're grateful for you and Daryl, and I love that. We're grateful so, for you all. Adoption, foster care, and then uh, Kelly. So you and Kelsey Wyndham are in charge of what is known as Woven Prayer Team. And they give leadership there and obviously pray for uh, everything uh, uh, for our women uh, in the church. But also you've really been very intentional. Y'all we meet once a month to incorporate adoption, foster care, and the, those families involved in that process. So tell us a little bit how you do that. Um, it's happened, God has allowed it to happen very organically, um, and then also on purpose and intentionally, um, where we have had ladies that have come to gather, which is our once a month, um, one of them being Julie. Um, can't do it without Grant. <laughs> Julia's allowed for us to groan with her and be patient in hope and then praise and just how God has sanctified her and her family and how they've grown. And it's been so beautiful. Um, just take, I just want to make sure people didn't miss that. Can, can you say that again <laughs> without, without, acting, without crying like me up here, right? Or just a little clearer? I'll try. I'll try. Julie 
Don't go. Yes. Um, there have been often times where she has come to gather with us, and um, at the end we'll ask for a personal prayer request, and Julie has, um, has allowed us to um, come alongside her and groan with her mm-hmm. and um, hope and patience you know, with mm-hmm. her, and then just praise. Uh, there's been so much praise even in the waiting, mm-hmm. and it's been really beautiful. Um, and God's allowed that too with Elizabeth and her family. Um, and then very recently, Emily came and, um, with God's leading, uh, we got to plan an entire gather around Mercy Found and we got to interview the families in our body. Mm -hmm. Um, that was that was just amazing and honoring to be able to interview them and to love on them and to get to know them better um, and spend that time in prayer with them mm. and over them. Man, there's something about another believer when you're anxious, when you're in pain, when you're worried, you're concerned, you're, you don't know the future. Will you get the child or not for a group of believers to gather around, lay their hands on somebody, and pray for them. I, I've been, I've done that, and I've been under that. Right. And under that is there's something powerful when that hand touches your shoulder, and man, it just releases a lot of fear. It encourages you to keep going. So grateful for your team. Thank you so much for loving our families and encouraging them this way. All right, Chad Vincent, our community group pastor here. Uh, Obviously, what we say at Fellowship, if you've been here at any time at all, is uh, if you want to be cared for when the wheels fall off of life, not if, right? Everybody say amen, right? Nobody's uh, beyond wheels falling off. It is a part of life. Then we, what we do is tell you to be in a community group because it's those group of people that you do life with will care for you, rally around you, and help you in your time of need. And I think what's so cool, Chad, is there's some great stories out there about how our community group has specifically like gone crazy rallying around all the families bringing babies home. So tell us about that. So the first thing I'll say is, first of all, um, this process, you're not alone. Um, that's, that's, that's the one nugget of truth, that you're definitely not alone. Um, the thing with community groups is that uh, we don't do it perfectly, but we promise to show up. And uh, what I mean by that tangibly is uh, I think one thing that keeps me here at this church is we have some of the most gracious and compassionate people that you ever meet, tenderhearted and kind people. And so what I mean by show up is I'll give you some examples. So uh, when you start the process, uh, we'll show up for fundraising. Um, when you when you complete that process and doing home studies and things of that nature, uh, we'll show up while you're doing this word right here that's so painful, waiting, um, that's so gut-wrenching um, and difficult, is that uh, your community group will show up in that process. Not just them, but other people in the body will show up. And I think that speaks... Uh, dividends, especially when you're in emotional turmoil and you feel like your heart's in a blender and you don't know which way's up and which way's down. And I think people there in that waiting process and as it, and it lingers and sometimes during the process, what I've noticed from a front row observing this is there's also some disappointments 
and the process so it doesn't go all like we want it to. And so in that time, you've got to have someone to show up, a, 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 a shoulder to cry on, someone to hug you, someone to remember what you're going through, right? And then that process will also show up, here's the cool thing, to celebrate with you when you bring that kid or that child to forever home and you're there in the, in the, uh, in the airport or you're, you, bring them to, you bring them to your home for the first time, hopefully what will happen is there's balloons, there's, there's po poster boards, there's things going, hey, hey, we're so excited for you, we're with you. And then I think the next thing that's sometimes not mentioned a lot of times is tangible stuff like meals once you adjust to that child being home and uh, you're in the midst of adjusting. I think the promise is it's not like we're with you and then we all suddenly leave. I think the neat thing is we're with you and we continue to be with you through the process. And that's what, for, for my job and what I do, it makes it a true delight to watch it. And it helps my, my heart to remain tender to what's going on around me. And so I think in this whole process, it, it's, it's very, uh, it's an up and down roller coaster ride from the front row seats. And as a community group, what we try to provide for you guys is stability. Someone mm -hmm. that you can be there and, and know that you can count on these people. Mm -hmm. And so we promise kind of the, what Jesus says, never to leave you nor forsake you. Mm. Man, I, I got stories running through my head. I can't even remember the kid now, but I, a couple of times I've been to the Nashville airport when they were bringing a child home. And I show up there, and there's 40, 50 people in Fellowship Bible Church going crazy. And it's like we're bawling when they're walking down the aisle. And then I'll ask a couple, how'd you get all this money to, you know, how'd you get your money to uh, adopt the child? And they just tears running down their cheeks and said four community groups came together and did a massive fundraiser for us. What? So in light of that, I remember a quote by Phil Herndon several years ago. He said, half of the Christian life is warring and waiting. Community groups are the ones that war and wait with you. Well, help us to war and wait. Jackie, save the best for last, right? According at least to your husband. But um, you guys, last year this time, did not have a child, and we're going to hear more later. You played later. a video about our fundraiser last year. Yeah, we did, about needing money, right? Yeah. But during this past year, you brought home a three-year-old, Ariel, who's now four years old. Mm -hmm. But for the last at least couple years, you guys have been getting help from our Mercy Found support group. So mm -hmm. tell us how crucial that was with your journey. Yeah, so unlike the rest of the people up here, I don't lead anything. I'm the beneficiary of these things, of prayer, of community groups, and of the Mercy Found support group. Uh, we started attending regularly two years ago when it first launched. <clears throat> and it's the first Thursday of every month in the front room if you guys want to join us. Mm -hmm. um, and we were very early in our adoption process. We had uh, decided on doing a domestic adoption. We had taken some baby steps towards our home study, um, but we were very early. And uh, like your experience, uh, we didn't know what we were supposed to do. <laughs> it's hard to know what the right next step is. And being in the support group, we didn't have that problem. We, we were surrounded by people who could tell us, this is the next right thing for you to do, or here's the resources, or go talk to this person, or here's some fundraising ideas. And we never had to wonder or struggle through the process. Um, and we got to benefit from people who were just a little bit farther ahead, like a few months or a couple years farther ahead, who had uh, immediately gone through it and could mm -hmm. give us their advice. 
um, and people who were years farther ahead who had adoptive kids and were raising them and could give us really great perspective on what it was that we were going through um, and what it was going to look like on the other side. And we always knew that this was a great blessing to us, but it really is driven home to me how much of a blessing it is when I'm talking to people outside of fellowship who either work in adoptions or their adoptive families. And when I tell them that we're adopting, uh, the first thing they say is, oh, it's so lonely. It's so, uh, nobody understands what you're going through. It's so important that you find some support. Like here, let me give you the information for a support group up in Nashville or join this Facebook group online. And I get to tell them like, no, I, I, we're okay. We have a support group <laughs> right here at church with over 40 adoptive kids that are in our body. And mm. uh, we felt all the feelings, like we felt stressed, we felt concerned, we felt, uh, how are we gonna pay for this? We felt sadness when things fell through. We felt excitement when um, we were matched with our child. And one thing that we've never felt through this whole process was lonely. Man, when the scriptures say it is not good to be alone, right? Uh, we believe that. We believe humans do not flourish alone in good times or bad. And so we give our lives away to each other in good, and we receive uh, the encouragement from God's people when they're tough. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture there. Real quick, I forgot to put your number up. Kelly, gals, if you want to text a prayer request... To, uh, to Kelly, to the uh, Woven Prayer Team. This is the number, 615-477-2201 uh, for any need possible. So thank you so much for both your leadership and beneficiary of that leadership. But, but we know you're leading, you're leading a home now, helping to lead one with Jason, and that's beautiful. Give him a hand. Thank you so much. Last year, at this time, there were three families that we told you very specifically were in the process of bringing children home. And this year, we're glad to report those children have been brought home. Look, watch the screen and enjoy. We've been married for a little over 10 years. And when it was time for us to be thinking about starting a family and having kids, um, it kind of came as a surprise when that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, we spent over a year going to a, I call the specialist, and eventually got to a point where they said, we don't really know what's going on. Um, so why don't you go home for a few months and think about if you want to do IVF, we didn't really know how we felt or what we thought or what was next. Um, and that was when COVID happened. And even though it was COVID and everything was shut down and everyone was social distancing, um, people just started showing up at our house. Like, um, I think it was Emily Henry came to our house first with like all of the information about all the different types of adoption and sharing like all their stories and all the different kinds of stories at the church. So during that time, we were thinking about it, we were praying about it, 
and I reached out to the Mercy Found Ministry here at the church. We really just felt like we were supposed to go the adoption route instead. My connection with adoption started when I was 12 years old. Um, my brother was adopted internationally, and um, he and I have always had a special relationship and a special bond, and even to this day, we have a really special relationship. And so I think the Lord put it on my heart early on that um, adoption would not only be in my story as a sibling, but would be in, in my story as, um, as a mom. And so <laughs> whenever I met, met Kyle, um, you know, even before we were engaged, before we were married, like I, I told him, I said that, um, I said, I think adoption is going to be part of my story. Like, are you okay with that? We just knew that would be our path. And that's the way that the Lord had guided our family. Um, we didn't know how, we didn't know when, you know, that would happen. But, um, but we knew that the Lord had called us to that. You never objected to it. You never had anything negative no, to say No, I was coming home it. from Mercy Found Sunday saying, let's go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were already blessed to have experienced adoption through our oldest son, Judd, who's now four years old. And after being a parent for that long, we realized how hard it is to actually be a parent. And uh, we realized also how much God has blessed us and made, given us resources and patience and time and all that to be a parent and we felt uh, like we had more uh, God had given us more that we could bring another member into our family uh, both Katie Beth and myself have a brother and sisters that we love uh, and we wanted our son Judd to have experienced the same thing he and Judd are uh, full biological brothers which is a cool part of our story our son, Judd, was uh, born in 2019, and um, we just really grew to love his uh, birth family. And we've tried to love on them as much as we can and just show them the love of Jesus. Um, and so we have an open relationship with them. And in January, she called and said that she was pregnant again and wanted to know if uh, we would be willing to uh, bring this baby into our home. And that's how Clay came about. Uh, it was complete chaos at first. <laughs> uh, we went from having no kids in the house to having a three-year-old in the house overnight. Our community group organized a, a meal train for us. That was a huge blessing. I've never been on the receiving end of a meal train, but just getting that, just all that, that love and the generosity, it really helped because we were juggling so many things and, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to prepare a meal would, would have been a lot. So that, that, that was a very, very obvious uh, demonstration of people's love that we really appreciated. Uh, fortunately, we had already had a relationship with him. We had met him in December of 2022, and he came home with us in March. It was, it was crazy for first couple weeks especially, and then for the next couple months, we were just trying to figure out our roles and figure out how to be married while taking care of a child. and. That was uh, that, that was it was crazy. Uh, it's humbling to walk down the the church uh, down the hallway here at church and then 
see adults interacting with them that I don't know. I don't know who they are. They, they know him by first name. Yeah, he's been here six months, and I think mm-hmm. he knows more people at the yeah. church than we do. Over the next 15, 16 years and beyond, that's what we're really looking forward to, is just making sure that we have a community of people around us that'll, that'll disciple and We feel that that's our, our number one priority. He's three months old right now, and it'll be finalized probably in the next three or four months, hopefully, uh, at the latest. But we started the process about two and a half years ago and just a lot of praying, a lot of waiting, just waiting for our desire to adopt, to intersect with God's plan for our life. Finally on July 12th, we got a call um, about a baby that had been born that morning. They probably listed at least 20 things that were ne- could negatively impact the adoption or just unknown health risks, you know, just a whole list of things that could have gone wrong. But despite that, we had this peace, the supernatural peace that could have only come from God. And just to reflect God's love for us and, you know, He adopted us into His family and turning around and um, kind of... Reflecting that. Yeah. Probably the most emotional time was flying home and walking down the terminal to the exit and seeing our two older kids, Mia and Eli, holding a sign waiting waiting for us. Because they had been praying with us for a long time. They, they just really wanted a little brother or sister and just to see them, you know, just so excited to meet him on that day was was just really special. Um, and, and they just love him so much. And so it's just been a great joy of ours to, to welcome him into our family. Um, bringing Clay home was super emotional. I, I don't know that anything quite prepares you to introduce your children and how moving that is. Um, but for me, it was a um, just a picture of the depths of God's grace. We had two precious, uh, tangible pictures of grace right in front of us. Um, we had done nothing to deserve it, nothing to earn it, and yet God still chose us to parent these two boys. And um, you, I mean, all you can do is praise him at that point for his goodness. Um, our adoption journey continues to refine and sanctify us in ways that we had not anticipated when we went into it. Um, it's been more than just making us parents or bringing members into our family. It has, um, it has brought us closer to understanding God's unconditional love for us. It has, um, continued to give us opportunities to grow in grace and mercy as we parent and um, we are just forever grateful for the opportunity to to not only parent these boys but to grow in our walk with the Lord through our adoption journey. Great, yeah. Man, we celebrate. I love how Kyle Prince, if you notice, he said, you know, God adopts us, so we just go adopt babies, you know. <laughs> and go to Mercy Found, come home with a baby, you know. And then I love what Katie Beth said at the end about uh, children help with the sanctification process of us becoming more like Christ. And I'm reminded of Howard Hendricks, the great professor at Dallas Seminary, who said, uh, very bluntly, God did he sort of talked like this. God did not give us children for us to raise them, 
but for them to help raise us as parents. Everybody can say amen if you've been a parent, right? Anyway, great morning. Here's what I want to sort of wrap up the morning with. John and Julie Doko, come on up. Uh, yes, give them a hand, please. Yep. So, uh, as you uh, saw on your seat, they have a beautiful little boy waiting for them in China named Quincy. It's been several years. It is painful, brutally painful. So we war and we wait with you. Uh, if you would just share just a minute uh, about what is to pray for, and then we'll close it up by praying for them. All right. So, all right. So, uh, so China has opened up for adoption for small groups of families to come and bring home their children. There are hundreds of families in a similar boat to us that are just waiting for that phone call. Mm. And uh, we just pray that, that we get that phone call sooner than later. And, mm. you know, your prayers are much appreciated with that. And that, you know, there is such a need for the orphans in, in China that the program remains open <laughs> and that other families in this process are able to see it through fruition also. Amen. Nothing quite like chronic emotional pain hanging on us day in and day out, right? Every quiet moment, what do you think about? You think about uh, that pain. So stand with me if you would. They're going to move in the aisle. You're going to lay hands on them, and you're going to join me in praying for them as we wrap up this morning. Yeah. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning, and we... We're grateful, Heavenly Father, we're grateful for sending your Son and adopting us. We're grateful for your great love for us in Christ. We're grateful that how you work in us, you show us who you are, and then you change our hearts so that we can be your hands and feet to those who don't know you. And part of that is through certainly adoption. We, we pray very specifically for Quincy. We will not be accused of not asking. So we ask you boldly and bluntly in the risen name of Christ, would you please allow Quincy to be with us here next year on Mercy Found Sunday. And as we war and wait, as we've talked about, I pray that you would do such a beautiful work uh, in the lives of John and Julie and their children so that when they get Quincy, they'll be able to look back and see your greatness and see what you did and how you did it. And we'll all point to you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the docos, for their courage and their perseverance. Pray we would, as a body, would encourage them greatly as this journey continues. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.